Welcome back to another episode of Diversity on Fire. This is your host, Heather. Our goal is to inspire you to think more deeply and act with more knowledge and compassion. We'll do this by sharing our open conversations on all types of diversity-related topics. My guest today is Anne Hintz. Anne is a spiritual teacher, speaker, and author who learned how to heal herself from the inside out. Now, on this intro, I'm going to keep it super short because I really just want to hear directly from you. So welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you, Heather. It's lovely to be here. Absolutely. I'm so excited to hear all about this. These things absolutely fascinate me. Before we dive too much into the actual hearing healing portion of your journey um, and the specific techniques and things like that, I wonder if you can share with us a little bit more about who Anne is what your backstory is, where you're from, where you are now, and kind of what really started you on this path to recognizing that you needed to self-heal. Okay, sure. Loaded Um, question. (laughs) I have a little bit of an interesting childhood in that I was conceived in New Zealand, and then I was um, born in England. And I now live in California, so I have a mid-Atlantic accent. But I was born in England and I was born with my right foot up against my right shin. So the first six weeks of my life, I had physical therapy. And then I was handed over for adoption into a family that had just suffered a trauma because they had a two-year-old boy that they had adopted earlier. And then they adopted another little girl. They had her for six months and then the birth mother changed her mind. And so they had to give her back. And I was the replacement into the family for that. So obviously there wouldn't be a lot of bonding straight away because they wouldn't have been sure if my birth mother was going to do the same thing. However, she didn't. And at six months old, we started moving around the world. So the first place we went to was Barbados and we lived there for a while. And then we moved to Sierra Leone in West Africa. And we were there for two or three years. While we were there, we had a house fire and I was the one who saw the flames coming in through my bedroom wall one morning when I woke up. So that was a trauma that stored inside of me. From there, we moved to Hong Kong. I really liked Hong Kong. It was it was a different culture. We lived in a 20-story block of flats, which was an interesting thing for me. And while we were there, we were there for several years, four years, I was sent to a boarding school in England, which was across the world. And I was sent to a boys' boarding school, which was my brother's boarding school. And I was the first girl boarder at a boys' boarding school. I was there for two years and I was teased horrifically, mercilessly for two years. And then from there, I went to a girls boarding school and we, the family moved to Bahrain in the Persian Gulf. So then in those teenage years, both my parents became alcoholics. My dad already had anger issues. So it was really difficult at home and really felt like hell for those years when they were both alcoholics. And then when I was 19, I woke up one morning and found my mother dead on the bathroom floor. So that was like a big trauma. (laughs) And with all of them, I just kind of did the same thing. I didn't know there was anything else you could do other than just keep them stuffed inside. So that's what I did for many, many years. And I I moved out to California when I was 21, became a software engineer, got married, had kids. And that's where I am now today. Okay. Wow. Okay. So (laughs) first off, what's my main question is, why Why the moving? Was there a job of some sort that had you guys move? Because that's a lot of moving. 
and <laughs> to very far away places each time. Yes, my dad worked um, for a, a big company called Cable and Wireless, worked in telecommunications, those old satellites that you used to see, the big satellite dishes you used to see in different places around the world. Interesting. And the other thing that strikes me, and I don't mean any, any offense by um, expressing this, but the other thing that strikes me is um, being adopted and then also, and then subsequently sent to a boarding school. It does. Is that, am I weird for, that strikes me as just odd um, in some way, Uh, not to you again, no offense. It's just, you would think you would adopt to be connected and to have that connection. And then sending sending kids away sounds a little bit like the antithesis of that it does and I've never fully understood it myself both my parents have died my adopted parents have died my dad after my mother died my dad did tell us that he had never wanted children oh okay and my brother um, who was adopted before me was a very difficult child he's he's already died he became an alcoholic too and so it might have just been it was so difficult to have us as children that they wanted some time without us Okay. I don't know. Okay. Any insight as to where the alcoholism came from or what any of those triggers were? Well, we, we were, they were both from England and alcohol is very much a part of the culture in England, right? Going to pubs all the time. Um, so it's, it was already a part of them. I think my mother took more of it on when we were, I was 13, my brother was 15 two things happened that year. They told us we were adopted. They hadn't told us before that. And she asked if it would be okay if she left the family, if she left us with our dad who had anger issues. (laughs) And we both said no, right? That's not even a question that I would consider asking my children, but I guess she didn't have the strength within her to make that decision for herself. And I think that's where she almost gave up on life perhaps. Wow. Okay. So this is a lot. This is this is a lot and a lot of little things too. I mean, these are the things that you're sharing are large. And of course, anyone can imagine there's a lot of little things that come along with that too. Not to mention the fact that you're a child and these are heavy for a child that's trying to literally find their own way in the world to begin with. So that makes perfect sense as to why you would, you know, basically come to a point. Did, what was the trigger for you to realize that you're like, okay, something is not okay with me and I'm not going to perpetuate this cycle? Right. I was actually in my late 30s. I'd actually done a lot of things over the years. I had a lot of digestive issues. And I knew I had PTSD. Um, so I worked externally, right? I tried changing my diet. I did fasts. I did cleanses. And those kind of things would help for a little while. But it seems like things always reverted back to how they had been. So it was a like a business altercation with a couple of other mothers at my boys' school. They were self-confident, self-assured, authority-type women, and I was not. And they told me I'd done something wrong. And my mind just started spinning out of control. It was it was days, it was probably three days before I could actually sleep again. <laughs> and I actually realized when I realized, I don't think other people would do this. This seems not normal. And it reminded me of how I would react when my dad told me I'd done something wrong. So that was the little opening for me to realize, oh, maybe there's something from my childhood that I need to look at. Yes, that I can imagine. And I I think we can all understand to a degree where we've had a point of maybe an exaggerated reaction, right? Where we can logically think to ourselves and understand that like the way I'm feeling might be a little excessive for what happened, but at the same time, 
not know how to fix that. So it's, I feel like it's good of you to have recognized that in that point and said, okay, hold on, (laughs) hold on, (laughs) hit pause. We need to change something here. Right. And I didn't know what to do at that point. I, I didn't. So I ended up going to a doctor's appointment in that time frame. I don't know how long the time was, but at some point around then I went to a doctor's appointment. He was a holistic physician and I wasn't going there for that reason. I don't remember why I was going there, but he recognized that I was more stressed than I should be. And he asked me on a scale of zero through 10, how stressed I was. And I said eight. And then he asked me the question, why do you think that is? And that's when I realized it was my mother's death, which is now about 20 years earlier, because the tears were still just under the surface. So that was, and I don't know if this is something that you've considered, but I wonder, because that was, that grief was still close. It was, do you feel like almost everything else that happened was affecting you on an amplified level? Absolutely. It was like my glass was nearly full to the top and anything extra would just push me over the over the edge. So yes, I I was reactionary. I felt I was really reactionary. And that was the first inkling that I had that, oh, you know, it's still sitting right there. Yeah. Wow. So you did mention too, and I keep referencing this back. So, so something that everyone should know is that um, this is from your bio and you have a website, so we'll direct everyone there later. And of course a book as well. Um, But you've mentioned that finally, when you recognize this, there was literally like a 15 minute session of, of some different type of technique or therapy that kind of pushed you out of that or, or, or released the hold that it had on you. I'm wondering, first off, before we dig into like what that process looks like, was it really kind of a 15 minute cure or was it, did it become more of an ongoing practice that needed to be sustained? It was a surface layer. He took off this, this doctor, he used this technique with me. It's called emotional freedom technique. It's also called EFT or tapping because we're just tapping on our body as we're talking through something. He used that with me for about 15 minutes. We talked through finding my mother, her death, and we tapped through it. And that was about 15 minutes. And I walked away being able to tell the story in my mind without tears there anymore. And for me, that was eye-opening. And the first time I realized that we keep those emotions just stored physically in our body and we can just let them go. I had no idea that was possible. So EFT, did you say it's emotionally focused therapy? Is that what it stands for? Emotional freedom technique. Oh, emotional freedom technique. Okay. I must have misunderstood the, for some reason I had the other one in mind. Are there two different versions of it or? No, there are two different techniques. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. So this is the one that's emotional freedom technique or tapping. Okay. So this 15 minutes was allowed you to kind of move forward, but then did you continue on that same method or because I know you've, you've made a lot of progress in a lot of areas. So I imagine there's kind of an expansive technique that you continued on. Right. Well, I went home that day and I learned how to use it and I went online because the person who developed it, Gary Craig, gave it away to the world for free. So you can just go online and learn about it. And I did that, but I had an engineering background and I really wanted to make sure that wasn't just a one-time fluke. So I actually had a 17-year-old cat at home at the time who had just been told needed to have a daily saline shot. So I had to give him this injection. The first time I gave it to him, my hand was shaking so much. It was just ridiculous. I wasn't going to be able to do it every day. It was just too scary for me. 
So I tried it out. I tapped about my handshaking, about my fear of hurting my cat, and about all the memories I had about injections because I'd had a lot because we'd lived all over the world. And the next day when I gave him the shot, the needle just slid right in. All that fear that had been sitting inside of me around this one small event had disappeared. And that's when I realized two things. I realized that EFT is a deceptively powerful technique because it doesn't look like it's doing a lot, but boy, it is. And that freedom is on the other side of those emotions. And that's where I wanted to be. So I started using it every day. I started noticing when I was emotional, which in itself is a tricky thing to do because we get so caught up in our emotions. But I could maybe do it once a day at the beginning and then over time I just get better and better at it. And I, I recognized I was becoming less reactionary, a little bit more peaceful, and I wanted more. So I wrote down every emotional memory I could think of from my whole childhood or my whole life up to this point. And I tapped through one each night for about an hour to an hour and a half each night until I'd gone through them all. And my mind was becoming quiet. Those voices in my head that used to criticize me and judge other people, they weren't there so much anymore. And I didn't even know that that was possible. So it was just amazing to me. It felt like I was living in a different reality because it just was so different. And and when I hear this, and although I very much uh, believe in techniques that are just different than standardized uh, medicine and things like that, I it almost has the air of like, it's too easy. You know what I mean? It's it's one of those things where it's, e- it's, well, okay, let me, maybe I should say it's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but you have to repeat. You have to continue to hone that practice and keep doing that practice for it to actually be effective. Right. And even within EFT itself, right, we're tapping on specific places on our body as we're talking through something. And like with my mother's death, more memories more details of the event would come up because it's opening up the subconscious mind so even though i'd done it for that 15 minutes with the doctor i did have to review it and what i realized is you actually have to go through a story from beginning to end right tapping through it then you go back to the beginning you tap through it again and you go back again and again and again until there's no emotion left in it anymore and it just feels like you're reading from a book Yeah. So there is that repeating process, even if you're just tapping on a belief, like I'm not worthy of love, right? Anything like that, you can tap on and let that go. But you have to do it again and again and again until you have let go of all the emotion stored underneath it. Okay. So this brings me to something that I'm interested in, because I know you've also mentioned that it's not about just like positivity and, you know, the abundance mindset, you think of it in a, in a different way or, or not abundance mindset, excuse me, law of attraction. You think of it in a different way. So when I hear you say, you know, if we're tapping to get rid of this idea that we are not loved, it almost seems opposite of what we think, right? What we think is like what we think we become. So if you want to be lovable, you tap on yourself and say, I'm lovable. But it sounds like what you're saying is to release it, we have to repeat it until it no longer is effective. Right. It's what what has been stored inside of ourselves, right? If we want to be lo- feel loved or be lovable, there's probably something inside of us that says that we're not, or we don't feel lovable. We don't feel loved. That's what's stored inside of us. The positive is not stored inside of us and it doesn't store the same way. It's the negative that stores inside of us. So we have to go down that neural pathway, that that whatever it is inside of us, I think it's our fascia, our connective tissue. 
where that memory or that belief or thought has been stored and we go through it and we let the emotion about it subside and release from the body and then it's no longer part of our signal that we're emitting and we're attracting back okay interesting so this is how the law of attraction is yeah, you you look at it from a different perspective is that to release it it's almost to just let you explain but what, what your um, concept of the law of attraction would be, what that would look like. Sure. I know that it's working all the time, right? Every second of every day, we're attracting back to ourselves what the signal that we're emitting right now. And the whole of us is that signal. It's not just the thoughts we're thinking. It's our shape. It's our size. It's our gender. It's our color. It's everything about us, even our clothes. It's our hair. But the biggest part of that that I have realized from further down my journey from being able to sense inside the body is it's the tension that we hold inside from the trauma and the past that we stored inside of ourselves. That is a huge force inside of us pulling us out of alignment. And if we let go of that, so if we let go of the emotions around everything we've experienced, the negative emotions, if we let go of the negative beliefs, if we let go of all that, tension or dis-ease stored inside of ourselves, then we come more into alignment. And that signal that we're emitting then is going to attract more aligned things back to us. It's going to attract more peace back to us. Okay. So the whole, and that makes a lot of sense that, you know, the whole, all, all the parts and cells of, of you, all the energy of you is what's sending out that signal. So the tapping is one part of it is but that's not the, the total depth to it, right? You talk about actually being able to create this presence within yourself where you're literally kind of connecting to yourself on an internal level. Can you explain that? Sure. So the EFT was the first step on my journey. And it, as I said, it opens up the subconscious mind. It also expands the awareness. So I started to become aware of my emotions and how I felt during the day. But then there's a deeper level, and that is the physical sensations underneath the emotions. So we will use a word like anger or frustration or sadness, but what we're really describing is how we're holding ourselves in that moment. So frustration, or for me, fear. Fear that was the big one for me. Fear I would feel in my stomach or my solar plexus, and it was a tension there. So I started to become aware of that tension inside of me when I was feeling fear. And so I would then work at this level. I would actually feel this tension because I know by this point, I know it's just stuck energy. It wants to leave the body. I just have to find a way for that to happen. And I've been in a group and the guy in the group said every week, it's just have to feel your feelings. You don't have to meditate. You just have to feel your feelings. So I had to teach myself how to do that. And so I would actually hold myself like a statue. I would feel that fear sitting in my stomach and I would focus on it. And the only way I could focus on it was if I stopped and held myself like a statue and stopped breathing. And then I could feel that tension in my stomach and I would just feel it and allow it to be. I don't want to get rid of it. I know in the back of my mind that I want to get rid of it, but in the moment I'm accepting it. And as soon as, as it's accepted, I'd have to take a deep breath. There'd be a shift and it would release a little bit of the tension. And then I would just do it again. Think the same thought again this fearful thought, feel the fear sitting in my stomach and just allow it to be and it would shift again. And I would do it again and again and again, just like with EFT where you're using the words. Now I'm at a deeper level of feeling the sensations. 
So this was the second step. Then in the evening, instead of doing the tapping on my childhood, I would lay on the sofa and think about collective traumas. I would bring them to mind something like 9-11, feel all those emotions and those sensations in my body and allow them to be, not suppress them, not you know do anything else, but just feel them and they would subside. And then I would do that again and again and again. Now, at some point during this journey here, I noticed that I could keep my awareness inside my body after the tension had disappeared, which is a little weird. It was really weird at the time because I'd never heard anyone doing this. I didn't know it was possible. So the only way I can kind of explain is imagine you have a toothache or a stomach ache. You can pinpoint where that pain's coming from. But as soon as the ache has disappeared, you can't get your awareness back inside on that tooth or in the stomach. I found that I could. I could keep my awareness inside there. And then I found I could do it again. So then I started playing, well, what can I do? And I moved my awareness around and I found that I could find tension on the inside. So I would do the same thing. I would focus on the tension, keep my attention on the tension, and it would shift. And then I would do it again and again and again until it had disappeared. So I just started working through the body and it took many, many months. I don't remember how many, but it was many, many months before I could actually put my awareness inside my head. And that was eye-opening because I had so much pain and the forces pulling my bones out of alignment in my head were just incredible. And I had been living with this pain and this tension for 50 years at this point, And I had no idea, right? Oh, my awareness was not there. So at this point, my awareness was there and I had the tools. So I would just do the same thing. I would focus on it, allow it to be, let it go and just do it again and again and again. And and at some point I actually heard and felt something release and it sounded like old fabric ripping. And that's when I did some research and realized, okay, I think this is an adhesion in the connective tissue or the fascia that is releasing. So I knew it wasn't hurting me and I just kept going. And eventually I would actually feel my skull bones relax into a more, what I now know is a more aligned position. And that's why it was so good to have my x-rays taken last year compared to 2013 and actually see the physical changes. Okay. So this is amazing. And I, I want to ask, so it brings me to this, first of all, this idea of desensitization. So when we think about this a lot, when people are like, oh, well, we don't want to watch the news because then we're going to become desensitized to all of the negativity, which I don't know if that that particularly happens. And that's not necessarily something we want, but the the way that you're describing it is it's almost like you're desensitizing yourself, but it's more like a release. It's more like a, you're giving your body permission or you're telling your body it's okay to let go of said trauma or said tension. Right. Yeah. So that's a really interesting, intricate question. Yeah. So that there is a desens- there is a desensitization, right? You can watch the news and have so much resistance, so many emotional, energetic barriers that you don't take it in. You're not aware at a deeper level. So this is removing those barriers that we have, right? Opening us up so that we can actually become aware of those feelings that are inside of us. So to begin with, as I was going through this process, probably when I was doing the EFT, the tapping, 
I didn't watch the news because I had enough of my own stuff that I needed to deal with and to, to expand the awareness. At this point now, I watch the news because I want to know where the triggers are. I want to feel at that deep level and release at a deeper level than I ever could before. So yeah, there's, there's two ways of standing in this place. There's the, the aware level or the unaware level. It almost feels like a protection. So the desensitization that we're thinking of when we think of the news feels like you've armored up so much that it can't get to you versus what you're describing is getting yourself to such a state of vulnerability that it doesn't affect you because you're so aware of and able to move in and out of it. Or you've released enough of that tension inside that, yeah, I mean, the goal is imperturbability, right? So that you can stand in that place and just be at peace regardless of what's around you. And there's two ways of standing in that place, right? Of being um, standing in the place where there's so much happening around you. You can either have those barriers up and not feel it, or you can have let all the emotions go and stand at a deep level of peace. Do you feel, because this sounds, there are some similarities when we're talking about meditation and people can, can probably relate if they do yoga and things like that as well. What do you think the main differences are between a meditative state versus what you're describing. Okay, that's interesting too. Yes, so I do believe meditation is beneficial because in the moment of meditation, we're at peace, right? The mind is at peace and that's the signal we're emitting. So we're going to attract more peace back into our future. However, a lot of people, once they come out of meditation, they go back to their regular way of being. So it hasn't really changed them at a deep level. To me, this work changes our base signal Right? It changes our physical signal. So it works, to me, it works much more rapidly because I know people who've been meditating for 20 years and they still have a really busy mind. So I know that mine changed dramatically within a couple of years. So maybe let's explore what you were talking about. You mentioned x-rays. So I think this is a, a really interesting thing you had um, I don't re recall the year you had some original x-rays and then you had some x-rays done uh, fairly recently. And th these are actually, you've posted these, you've put these out there publicly and there are some distinguishable differences. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. The first one was 2013. So I had already been tapping for several years at that point. And the last one was last year, which was 2021. And so, yes, it was really good to see those differences because I knew things were shifting, but to actually see that the bones, like my eye sockets have aligned. I didn't even know those bones would move, but they have aligned and my jaw was way off to the side and it's now much more centered. And my neck is much straighter. I've had scoliosis, I think from childhood, where my foot was up against my shin when I was born, which twisted my body. And it's untwisting and straightening. So I've actually grown half an inch as a 55-year-old, which is rather nice. <laughs> I wouldn't mind a little bit more. <laughs> but yes, the, the fact that we can change, make those changes just with our mind, which reminds me now of exactly what I was going to say <laughs> when we were talking about meditation. Meditation is you're in your mind, right? You're either in your mind or you're out in the universe somewhere. This work is going into the physical body. So I'm not thinking, I'm feeling. And that is a key difference. 
I'm just ruminating over what, okay, so you're not thinking, you're feeling, but isn't your mind directing all of it anyways, or? <laughs> it's really hard to put in words. Yeah. Yes, there is some some direction, right? I'm feeling where the most tension is. So I'm aware of where that most tension is, but I'm also, that's also a feeling, right? A sensing, I can feel where the most tension is and I direct my attention or my awareness to that place and focus on it and feel it but i'm not thinking necessarily at the same time now at this point i can actually multitask i can think i can be watching tv i can actually have my eyes open as i'm doing it when i first started when i first got inside my body i had to have my eyes closed to focus but now i can multitask so i can now think and feel at the same time but it is different from being in the mind or the imagination. It's it's in the body itself feeling, right? If I am working on somewhere in my cheek or my face, I can actually look in the mirror and see where I am focusing because there will be movement inside my face because I'm I'm there. I'm not in my mind. I'm actually in my body. Interesting. So with these x-rays, I'm curious, because obviously when you get x-rays, you're getting them from, well, let me actually pause. Let me ask you this before we get into that. Was there any other work that you're doing in conjunction with this, like chiropractic work or physical therapy or or yoga or anything else? Or are these results you're saying are, are definitively and solely based on this technique that you've been practicing? They are orthodontic x-rays. So I was having some orthodontic work. Okay. So you know, a tiny amount of tooth movement might have been due to that. But I know that, you know, I, I feel what's happening inside. So I know that it's this work that I'm doing. I don't do yoga or anything else like that. I haven't done chiropractic in many years. And I have come across a technique now that I'm going to start using that's called block therapy, which is working on the fascia or the connective tissue from the outside. So I'm thinking maybe it will speed the process up. It's really interesting. She kind of uses the same language I use, but talking about it from the outside, and I'm talking about it from the inside. So it's really an interesting combination. Okay. And when when looking at these X-rays, have you had any um, anyone practitioners, medical or non medical practitioners, look at them? And and did does anybody confirm, or do you have any anyone that's objecting to anything that they're seeing? I mean let's just be fair because we're because nobody's looking at these right now but you do have them posted i looked at them i can see so um what i'm asking though is if has anyone else weighed in that has maybe a medical professional background i've asked them to but they haven't been willing to you know it's 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 a little weird for them right (laughs) but no one has objected no i mean it's obvious you can you can see the changes i mean there's more than the ones i just mentioned right the whole inner the whole inside middle part of the face is expanded right where the jaw where the um, cheekbones come across the amount of the upper jaw that you can see in the newer x-ray is so much bigger than the the former one i mean you, you can't you can't argue with it 
it's just so clear. Yeah, and there's actually been interesting, and I shouldn't, I'm not going to go into this because I don't have a reference point for it, but I've heard um, talks on um, breathing techniques and things like that are known. Studies have, have shown that breathing techniques can do these things. So if a breathing technique can do things that changes the shape of your face and, and your facial structure and bones, then why can't what you're talking about do something like that? Right. And it can. <laughs> Interesting. So what, um, what I know you're, you're sharing your story, you're doing speaking, um, you have your book. What is your main goal for sharing your story? I want people to know that we have this ability and these capabilities because I didn't know this was possible 10 years ago. Right? I had no idea that this was possible to do. And I would have loved to have known it. One of the fun things about the x-rays to me, not those x-rays from the front, but the ones from the side that are in, I've got a video on my YouTube channel that has those x-rays inside of it. And when I look at the one from last year compared to 2013, that person in that x-ray is way more self-confident than the person in 2013. So if I had known that I could improve my confidence, my self-esteem through doing this work, I would have done it probably earlier. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. I guess the only the only thing I wonder about that is there's this idea of we come to things when we're supposed to, which I don't know. I fight that. I fight that thought sometimes because, of course, we all think if we had known it sooner, that would be it would be amazing. But I also think we have to be at a point where we're willing to accept it and acknowledge it in order for it to be valuable, because I think we probably pass a lot of things by until we're ready. Right. So the people hearing this, some people may not be ready and that's fine. And, yeah. you know, one of the reasons I'm doing this is because I love telling the story. So I'm actually here on this podcast because it's a fun thing to do. Right. What comes from it doesn't matter. It's fun. It would be really nice if people took something away from it and actually started doing this work because I know how powerful it is. But just the fact that I'm here doing something that's fun is important to me. Yeah. And I know you have thoughts on how this, I mean, you have an opinion on if this, this work potentially can actually affect change in the world, maybe society, probably small scale until people are willing to adopt it large scale. But do you want to share that at all? Sure, please. Um, yes. We are so divided and we have so many things happening right now. And we often think it's someone else's fault, right? We think, it's those people are arguing over there or it's the news or it's people in Ukraine or Russia or whatever it is, politicians, right? This politician or that politician or race or abortion, any of those things, we have emotions around them. And that's where our power is. We can work with those emotions using these techniques, right? EFT, even taking a deep breath, right? As you feel emotional and letting that go, it's going to bring more peace into you personally. So using EFT will actually do it at a deeper level. But if we can come to peace around anything that's happening, that changes our future because it's changing our signal. And so we're going to attract more peace into our future. So that's how I think we can change the world. We can change our personal world and then our collective world. Love it. I'm all about doing that. Better, More peaceful people, more, more happiness and abundance is certainly a welcome idea. Uh, is there anything else that we haven't chatted about? And I guess that's, again, loaded question, because I'm sure you have so much to share, and this has been a short amount of time. But is there anything that stands out that you want to make sure we share? 
Um, well, that last thing was the main thing that I like to share with people. So yeah, nothing's popping into my mind at this point. Okay. Um, so the final three questions that I always ask is first, first one is, what is, I like to give everyone an action item, or, or I should say, have you give everyone an action item, something small so that they can actually do it, but so that everything everyone can do today to set themselves on a path to a new future, to more to their holistic healing journey, if you will. Okay, well, I would encourage everybody to try and notice when you become emotional and recognize that it's just stuck energy that wants to be let go. But the first step is recognizing that you are becoming emotional. That is the first step. Perfect. I think that's a great first step because it's small and it's also hard. I know this from experience. <laughs> we, we just go, keep going sometimes and not even acknowledging kind of the steps that are happening. So what, what are five words that you would use to describe yourself? Okay. Luckily, I have these written <laughs> I try and be as honest as possible with that. I try and be as true to myself as possible because I know if I'm not, I'm affecting myself. It's part of me I'm not seeing. So along with that, it goes with authentic. Try to be authentic. Again, my true self, because if I'm not being authentic, I'm hiding something. I try and walk my talk. My most important thing for me to do is to keep doing this work. I keep releasing at a deeper and deeper level. I think I can claim to be peaceful these days. Didn't start out that way, but I had a mother come to me years after I started this saying, I want to be as peaceful as you are which was so fun to me because one of the reasons I started this work is because I wanted to be as peaceful as the other mothers I would see at school. And the last one, it's not always easy to say, but I think I'm powerful. And I think we all have that capacity within us. I love that. And I actually love all of those, but I want to specifically go back to that peaceful one because I think you're right. I think if everyone looks around, there may have been a moment in time where you're like, how is that person so cool, calm and collected? Like, I want to look like, I want to feel like they look, right? And man, if you can harness that, that's powerful. It is. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. So yeah, I'm on my way for sure. <laughs> Yay. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Where would you like everybody to go to find you, to stay connected, to follow up, to get your book, all of that stuff. Okay. There's several places on my book. is called The Pathway to Insight. It's available on Amazon, or you can ask your local bookstore to order it. I have a YouTube channel which has a demonstration video of EFT and a demonstration video of feeling your feelings. And as we said, the x-rays are on there. I have a website, anhins.com, that also has the x-rays on there. And I have a public Facebook page and a public Facebook group that's called a, On a Pathway to Insight. And I'm happy to interact with anyone there or ask, answer any questions. Okay, awesome. I will make sure to link that all in the show notes. And again, thank you so much for joining. This was really interesting, super fun. Thank you. It's been lovely.